Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Feed Your Faith. I'm your host, Courtney Kopeck. And this week's episode, I'm talking about getting into the spirit. I'm going to be quoting some scripture from Romans and talking about how you can get away from diving into your more natural behaviors, your natural self. And when I say natural, I'm speaking about more of your sinful nature and making choices more based off of the spirit, more based off of Jesus's guidance for you, his purpose and plan for your life so that you're not being led by the sinful desires around your food and being led more by holy choices that really make you a renewed person through Christ. I'm so excited for this episode. It's something we all need. We need refreshing. We need renewal. We need to be reminded that the Spirit is with us and guiding us even around something as simple as what we have for breakfast. So um, I am just so super stoked to get right into it. But before we do, as usual, I just have a few quick announcements to make. I think I definitely used to eat a lot out of loneliness. I didn't have a lot of friends as a kid growing up. I was not very popular. Um, I liked food. It tasted delicious. I don't think I really overate any more than any other of the kids in my class. My body was just designed to process food differently. I gained weight very easily, but it was the processing of the food that made me fat, and it was the getting fat that made me friendless, and it was the friendless that made me use food as my comfort. And so that was all I knew. So as I grew older, I continued to go to food for my comfort. And that was when I began to overeat. It wasn't every day. It wasn't all the time. But my relationship with food definitely got twisted over the years. I saw it as something to be afraid of. I saw it as something I couldn't trust, something that was harmful to me but at the same time, something that comforted me. It's like an abusive relationship when you think about it. That's exactly what it is. You need it. You feel that it has to be a part of your life because it brings you protection and comfort. But at the same time, you feel very beaten up by it very betrayed by it. It's so twisted. (laughs) And 
not only that, but you can't just say, I'm not going to eat anymore. You know, it's not like alcohol, cigarettes, other drugs. You have to have food to live. But in a way, I think that's such a beautiful thing. I'm actually really glad that God made it so. Number one, God never made us addicted to food. You're not addicted to food the way that you get addicted to cigarettes, the way that you get addicted to alcohol. The body does not react the same way to food addiction-wise that it does those other things. This is scientifically proven. So people who say that I have a food addiction, no, you don't. You have a food issue, but you don't have a true physiological addiction to food. You you can't. The God did not create us to be able to be "quote unquote" addicted to food. Okay. Um, food is all throughout the Bible, constantly mentioned in places of joy, in places of peace, in places of celebration. You know, Jesus. I I always say this: like He's the bread of life. Food is so valuable and important. It's what keeps our bodies going. And God gave it to us as as something very valuable and precious to us. He wants us to have a healthy, beautiful, sustainable, gorgeous relationship with food. So when we don't, it's very sad to God. You know, God does not want to see you sitting there in church taking communion and worrying about how many carbs and sugar you're taking and when you're drinking the grape juice, a.k.a. the wine, and having the matzah, a.k.a. the bread. That's not where he wants your mind to be. He wants your mind to be on spiritual things, not on worldly things. You know, he doesn't want you to be thinking about how many extra minutes you're going to have to work out at the gym the next day when you're eating Christmas dinner, celebrating the birth of Christ. But that's where our mind goes. It is sad to God that you have an issue with food. That's not where he wants you to be. But he gets it. He knows where it comes from. And if he gets it and he knows where it comes from, it is not beyond his power to heal you. And you have to believe and trust that. You understand that you get in your own way, right? Like that's what happens. We get in our own way. And the reason we get in our own way is because we can't, number one, to give up power is very scary. To allow God to lead us 100% is like, it's, that's scary. Number two, when you had a, when you've been in a, kind of abusive relationship, right? This twisted relationship where it's like this love-hate, 
you know, getting good things, but also getting bad things at the same time relationship for so long, you don't know how to walk away. You're very powerless. It's not a good, thriving, nourishing relationship that you have with food, but it's the only relationship you know, and you can't imagine any other relationship outside of that. In many ways, you don't even feel like you deserve it. You can't imagine, it's like, who would even want you? You know, you're so tainted by this messed up relationship with food. How would you even begin to have a positive relationship with it? You want one, but you can't even imagine it. So when you try to like bring yourself there thought-wise, you think too far ahead and you get scared. There is empowerment for you in this messy relationship. There is still some sort of comfort for you in it. You have to be getting something out of the relationship. Otherwise, you would not be in the relationship anymore. Understand that. Yes, you do want to walk away from the relationship, but you still have to be getting something from it in order to still be in it. We don't participate in things that we're not getting something back from. That's not the human way. Tit for tat, that's how we are. I'll do it, but I need to get something in return. So don't think that you're not getting anything from the relationship anymore, because you are. And you need to figure out what those things are. If you don't know what they are, you need to figure them out. Because those are the areas you need to tackle. Those are the areas you need to be praying about, thinking about, looking at. Where is the food filling the void for you? I remember feeling really such a sense of power over eating. I could pick what food I wanted to eat. I could eat as much as I wanted to. It tasted delicious. It didn't talk back to me. It didn't judge me. It raised my dopamine levels the way a loving relationship would. You know, to eat a piece of chocolate cake felt just as good as getting a kiss from a boy. It was a high. So it's understandable that I still went to those things. And I didn't see getting a kiss from a boy happening anytime soon. I could easily get that chocolate cake. But then I started to feel bad about myself. That I didn't have more self-control. That I needed the cake in the first place. That I was a mess to begin with. These are the thoughts that would start coming in as I was eating the cake. And I didn't like feeling those things. I didn't like thinking those things. So I needed more cake. Had to get more dopamine. I didn't want to leave myself hanging in that negativity. And then I would feel even worse. So I ate even more cake. Numb myself, numb myself, numb myself. Until I was so full I just go to bed. And then of course the next morning 
hate myself. It was a cycle. And I was addicted to it. But it's what I knew. I had control, in a sense, with the cycle. I, there were, I could expect what was going to happen. There was a pattern. I knew the pattern. I could trust the pattern. As messed up as the pattern was, I could trust it. It wasn't coming out of left field. I could rely on the pattern. And that's so much of what we yearn for in life is security, comfort, knowing how it's all going to play out. We're nervous Nellies. We want to know how the story is going to end. I think people who have an attachment to food, who have an attachment to dieting, tend to be people who really like to be in control of things. We want to know what's going to happen. We want to make sure we've got all our ducks in a row. We tend to be over planners. We tend to constantly think, playing the story a million different times until we figure out a solution. Because we don't want to leave any of you know, any ends untied. And God does not work that way at all. God is very much like, you don't need to know what's happening here at all. All you need to know is that I'm in control and you just got to go with the flow lady. And going with the flow is not me at all. I don't like the flow. The flow scares me. With my eating there was a pattern. There was no flow. So in order to climb out of the poor eating habit, we are told by the dieting industry that if we go on the diet, that's going to resolve everything. You know, we very much follow these Lies of, oh, I'm just going to have a healthy lifestyle now. I'm going to follow the whole 30. And for 30 days, I'm not going to eat anything except plants and vegetables and whatever else is on that diet. And then in 30 days, I'll know how to eat again. Because this is the thing. We've forgotten how to eat. We don't know how to even eat anymore. Because we've just been in this, you know, messed up relationship with food in our bodies for so long. We need to learn how to eat, and we go to these diets hoping that we're going to learn because, hey, the people who are telling us to do the diets look amazing, right? Well, they look amazing, but you have to ask yourself, have they really had issues with food before? It's interesting because the ones who have had issues with food before keep gaining weight after the diets. Oprah. Marie Osmond, um, I don't know, I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head. Valerie Bertinelli, these are people who have gone off diets, gained weight, and then come back and been like, oh, this diet worked for me now, I've lost the weight. And then what happens? Five years later, they come back and they try a different diet that they're selling you. 
That's the average person. The other diets are coming to you from women who lost weight after having babies. Well, they were never fat before the baby. They never had an issue with weight before the baby. So you can't really like, and and they're like fitness models. You know what I mean? You have to pay attention to the people who are selling you this stuff. What is their story beforehand? You can't pay attention to a fitness model who's never had an any issues with food whatsoever coming to you and saying, do this diet and you'll look like me. You have to look at the background of these people. You have to pay attention to what these people are selling you. That is very, 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 very important to start seeing clearly through the fog. Because the reality is, that a 30-day diet is not going to clear up your food issues. It's not going to teach you how to eat better. There are, there are some positive things to dieting, I will say. I, I mean, like, I've been on and off diets my whole life. I've definitely learned about incorporating more vegetables into my eating, for sure. I've certainly learned about which health shakes I do and don't like. And I enjoy health shakes. I think they're yummy, you know? I'm not saying that it's all bad. I'm just saying that it's not going to be your saving grace over your food issues. Only God is going to be that. And I think that what happens is we've built this relationship with our food that is a positive-negative relationship based off a lot of fear and negativity in ourselves. And we see no clear way out of it. But we lean so much into it because it is a pattern that we can trust. It's a pattern that we understand. We go to dieting because it's a quick pattern. And it's a pattern that everyone else is doing. So we feel we can trust that pattern. Oh, it's only for a month. I can stick to something for a month. You know? Oh, it's only counting points. Oh, it's only counting calories. Oh, I only have to measure stuff out. I can do that. That's easy. It doesn't talk about getting to the root of the issue. It doesn't deal emotionally with the problem. And deep down, we know that that's really what we need to do. And it scares us. We don't want to go to that empty place that's guiding the choices we're making around our food. That's a scary place. You know, when you start a new diet, you have to be very strict with the diet. You have to be very specific with it. You have to set your mind on the plan. And we're so good about that when we first start, you know? Like, I think especially the first two weeks, like, oh, yeah, I'm on this diet. I'm sticking to the plan, doing everything I'm supposed to do. We're like gung-ho, so excited. But when it comes to letting God control our lives, we are totally not that way. 
we get lost. We're like, I don't know. How do I let God control my life? What do I do? And we forget that if you look in the Bible, he's pretty specific about what you can do. You just have to be open to looking for those ways. And I came across this scripture that spoke pretty loudly to me in terms of, you know, if you want to compare changing your food from diet life to God life, here's an easy thing to remember. Dieting asks you to be very on point, very specific, right? Don't go neither to the left or to the right. You just got to stay on course. God asks you the exact same thing. Romans 5, Romans 8, 5, Romans 8, 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what that spirit desires. Boom, there it is, simple as that. You have to be specific with God. It's as simple as deciding where is your mind set today? Is your mind set on sinful stuff or on the spirit? You wake up on a new diet and you're like, my mind is set on the plan. I'm sticking to it today. Well, why can't you be that way with God? Why can't you wake up and say, my mind is set on the spirit today? Not on my sinful nature. Have you even thought about how your food obsession, the way you're choosing to use food as a comfort. And I'm not saying that using food as a comfort is a sin because we all do it. Food is meant to be a comfort. But when you're using it in replace of God, right, then it becomes a sin. There's a difference between comforting yourself with food and making food an idol. When you're making food an idol, that is coming from a natural desire, a human desire, not a spiritual one. Do you think of it in that way? You have to start looking at your life through a spiritual way or a natural way. You can't just go around like la-di-da-di-da. You've got to get specific with things. You've got to get serious. You have to start looking at it through a spiritual lens. Because if you don't, if you're just really lackadaisical with everything and not specific, not certain, not clear on what your objective is, what your goals are, and what the steps you have to take are to get there, you're going to slip and fall. You're going to make natural decisions, earthly, worldly choices, because that's just the way it works. Now, how can that be? Because the bulimia was not my identity. It was just one aspect of what was going on in my life. It didn't determine who I was as a person. It didn't determine my value or my worth. It didn't determine whether or not I was going to be sitting right next to Jesus in heaven or mopping floors somewhere at the pearly gates. It was just this thing that was happening in my life. 
that was in God's hands. And I was letting God take care of it. And I felt as though if it was still happening, it wasn't my problem. I had to trust that God was working on it. And there was so much peace there because I had truly given it over to God. And I didn't have any expectations of what that was supposed to look like for me. And then it was gone. I didn't need it anymore. I didn't care about it anymore. I lost interest in it. And I stopped throwing up. That was the end of that. Now, it came back years later, 10 years later, when I had major anxiety issues going on. And all it was was a warning sign to me that I needed to take care of myself, that I was getting close to the cliff, that I needed to tune in more to God, that I was losing my self-worth. And I was reaching into a dark place again. And I listened to that warning and it's gone again. It showed up briefly, just a little bit sprinkled here and there, and it was gone again. And I share that story with you because I want to remind you that the demons can always come back. We're constantly fighting the battle. We always have to be on our toes, on the lookout. But the point is that I don't think that God often takes away our struggles and just wipes them away clean. I think that a lot of the healing comes through working through the struggle while the struggle is still there. That's where the relationship is built up with God. And what I want you to recognize is that power and fear play a huge role in letting go of these struggles that you're going through. We are creatures of wanting to have power. And there's a question of like, well, what do we do once we give the power over to God? There's a giant fear that's like left over there. What's going to fill the void? If I don't have my food anymore to comfort me, what will? Who am I if I don't have this issue? I know for me, you know, I was seen as like the health guru for a while. You know, I ate really clean all the time and I was always at the gym and I was super fit. And that was my label. That is who I was. That's who I identified as. And I didn't, I was scared out of my mind to be anything but that. That's who I felt comfortable being even though it was destroying me. It had become my obsession. It was all I thought about. Getting fitter was my life. 
And I felt as though God could not come up with something better than that. Even though I was uncomfortable in who I had manifested myself into being, I didn't think that God had a, I didn't think that he could come up with something better because I couldn't think of something better. And I was like, well, if I can't think of something better, I'm going to think how God could think of something better. And I know that's ridiculous as I even hear it come out of my mouth, right? Because God is a genius and I am not, (laughs) but that's how I felt. That was what I was worried about. I've run out of ideas, Lord. I don't see how you could come up with anything better. We know I'm not going to turn into Giselle. So what more is there? You know, because the only alternative I saw was to go back to eating, quote unquote, normally, right? Like letting myself have pizza, enjoying some cake now and then, which meant probably gaining some weight, which meant my life was over and everything was a disaster. God forbid I gained any weight. And I couldn't have that. I couldn't accept that as part of my life. So the only answer I saw was either you make me fitter and we get over the hump of me not being able to lose this weight, which was what my problem was at the time. I couldn't lose any weight no matter what I did. Or we can't do anything. And I was killing myself over it. And yeah, I threw my hands up in the air finally and was like, I can't do this anymore, God. But I was also in a place where I wasn't willing to try anything else out. And I think that's where a lot of you might be, where you feel as though you can't keep doing the struggle. You can't keep fighting yourself and fighting this battle against yourself. But you're not willing to see what God has for you. You're not willing to maybe gain some weight. And I'm not saying you are going to gain weight. I have no idea what's going to happen with you. I don't even know what you look like. I don't even know who you are. What I do know is that God does have another plan. And it is far better than what yours is. And the reason that is, is because your plan is, is of the natural world and God's plan is of the spiritual world. And if we go back into Romans, it says 8.11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And then it goes on in verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. The whole message here is that if you keep on following your plan, 
your expectations, your idea of what your life is supposed to look like, you're going to be miserable. You don't have a choice here. You can stay on the hamster wheel or you can get off and finally start experiencing some joy and some peace in your life. There's a reason that you have been following your plan for so long and not gotten anywhere. And it's not because you just haven't found the right diet yet. It's not because you just don't have enough willpower. It's because you're following your sinful nature, which is always about the body. You're all about your body right now. Your entire plan is about your body. It is not about your spirit. You're not looking to lose weight because you want to have a better spirit. You want to be happier. And that might mean you feel closer to God, right? Because when we get happier, we like God a lot more. But also when we get happier, we tend to feel like we need God a lot less. But happiness and joy are two very different things. You might think that getting thinner or keeping a fit body is going to bring you the things that you want out of life. And I am here to tell you that that is not true. I've been fat and I've been fit and I was not happy either way. In fact, I was probably happier fat than I was thin. Because at least when I was fat, I knew people liked me for me. I didn't have to put on a show. I didn't have to live up to any expectations. I didn't have to worry about how I looked when I walked into a room because I didn't feel like I had to impress anybody. No one was looking at me anyways. Every single girl I know, and I know a ton of models. I have a lot of model friends. I'm not saying this to sound like cool. It's just, I do. I lived in New York City. I became friends with a lot of models. None of them like their bodies. None of them like their bodies. Don't think that just because you get skinnier, you're going to now like your body. You will always have something about yourself that you want to change. If you cannot accept yourself as you are today, you will not be able to accept yourself as you are tomorrow. God does not allow that. I don't believe there's anything such as self-acceptance without God, because self-acceptance is peace. And if you have no peace, you have no self-acceptance. 
For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. You are afraid. Plain and simple. Like it or not. It is fear that is driving you to want to be thin. It is fear of fat, fear of rejection. Think about how the world treats fat people. I was asked one time by my own health coach to write a list of how I viewed fat people. And it was so eye-opening. And I encourage you guys to do the same thing. Be really honest with yourselves. How do you view fat people? How do you judge them? How do you judge yourself? You know, one of the things that I wrote down, and I was so embarrassed to even admit this, but I had to be honest with myself, was that I saw them as poor. as unsuccessful. You know, sometimes people say they see them. I, I've had clients who said that they were called lazy, unpopular, certainly not beautiful. Does anybody want to be seen as that? Of course not. Why would we want to invite that into our lives? Life is hard enough. It's not hard to figure out why we don't want to get fat. But you have to understand that all of those things fall into the category of things God doesn't care about. God does not care if Joey down the block thinks you're lazy. Because God has a plan for Joey down the block. If Joey down the block wants to be judging, God will take care of that. That is not our place to worry about it. You know, Jesus says to turn the other cheek. People trashed Jesus. Jesus was hated on. Hated on. I don't think anyone has been hated on worse than Jesus. Well, maybe I shouldn't make such a bold statement. I don't know. But they hated on Jesus. And Jesus took it. Because he knew what his purpose was. He knew who he was through his father. And he even says it. And he says in the Bible that he knows who man is. So he's not going to worry about what man thinks of him. Because he knows what man is made up of. Turning the other cheek is hard. Not caring what people think about us is hard. I don't think that it's something that we're born with, the ability to do. 
I think that comes with a relationship with God. I think the deeper our relationship comes with Christ, the further in we get to knowing God, knowing who we are through Christ, trusting him with our lives, the less important, the less value we put on other people's opinions of us. The more peace we get, the more joy we get. And so when you're trying to figure out who will you be when you're not the anorexic anymore, when you're not the bulimic, when you're not the the fatso, when you're not the fitness freak, what will your life look like? What will fill the void of your binging? Whatever it is, it's just going to be more God. It's going to be more peace. It's going to be more joy. It's going to be more freedom to be who you really are in Christ. And what that means is it's going to be who you really are. Because who you are now as this person living in this bondage to this thing, this sin, this natural, selfish, greedy obsession is not who you really are. And don't you want to be who you are? You don't have a spirit of fear anymore. So stop living like you do. Stepping out in faith with your food, with your body, it means not being afraid of fat. It means not being afraid of what God has in store for you. It means trusting God. It means putting down your plan. And a huge part of that is not looking ahead. It's not looking into tomorrow. It's not looking into next week, next month, next year, five years from now. I don't look at the body that I have right now and say, yeah, this is how I'm going to look five years from now. I have no idea how I'm going to look five years from now. No clue. I could be all gray five years from now. I probably will with these children I'm taking care of. And it doesn't matter. Why do I need to even think about what's going to happen five years from now? Why bring that stress on yourself? I always say this. God meets us in the present moment. Your job is to focus on today. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, for today has enough troubles of its own. You can barely handle today. You can barely handle this very moment. Like, I'm not insulting you, but let's be honest here. Just breathe 
and try to get through this moment. All right, I'm jumping over to Romans 8. Um, 24. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. This is also something that is so important. We are not creatures of patience. And I talked about this earlier, like when you start formulating your own plan, you also have no patience. God works in his own perfect timing. You have to tell yourself that every single day. All in God's timing, all in God's timing, all in God's timing. The minute you start thinking that you've missed something or he's not working fast enough or it's not happening soon enough for you, you have to take a step back and remind yourself, all in God's timing, not my will, but his will be done. Because when you start thinking that it's not getting done in the right timing, that's also you thinking about your own plan. Does that make sense? Your plan, your time. That's not how it works. God's will, God's timing. Satan loves to come in and be like, oh my gosh, that hasn't happened for you yet? What is God doing? I bet he forgot all about you. You cannot listen to those voices. Because every time in the past, I guarantee it, if you look back where you have waited patiently for God and where he has finally shown up for you, you're like, OMG, he really did show up at just the right time. We cannot see with our human eyes what God can see. And he always knows best. You have to trust that. This is what faith is. It is trusting 100% with our hearts and not with what we can see. Patience is key here. This isn't a diet. This is not a 30-day plan, a 21-day fix. The first time I was working with my health coach, I asked her, how long do you think it's going to take for me to be fixed, for me to be healed, for me to be eating normally? She said, well, it usually takes about two years before you start really eating intuitively. I thought, oh my gosh, two years? I don't have two years. I need to be fixed now. But God stepped in and was like, you've been broken for far more than two years. I think you can take the time to figure this out. I had to let God lead the way. If it took two years, three years, four years, five years, whatever it was going to be, it wasn't in my hands anymore. Now, here's something else. Romans 8, 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. In other words, we don't know what we ought to pray for, right? This is a journey that we're like, ah, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to fix this problem. I hate my body. I'm confused how to eat. I'm a mess. I don't want to be judged. Other people are telling me I'm fat. Other people are telling me I have a problem. I just want to be loved. I just want to be cured. I just want to like myself. I just want peace for once. Freedom. It's so confusing. It's just this big jumbled mess. Where do I begin with this? I've been trying for years. Nothing's happened. I'm still this broken pit of despair. Just the act of prayer can freak us out because we don't even know where to begin. Or maybe we've been praying before and haven't seen any changes and feel like it's not even working. When you give it over to God, you don't have to have the right prayer. Maybe all you need to do is say, God, I'm giving this over to you. Or God, I'm letting the Spirit pray for me today because I just don't know what to pray for. Just acknowledging that you're handing it over to God is something. It's communicating with God. And that's all you need to do. You have to be freely communicating with God in a way where it's not about you putting your agenda out there. There's a difference between praying to God that you don't X, Y, and Z today, which is my plan be done, versus praying to God, thy will be done. And let me tell you, you can pray to God, thy will be done, and still in the back of your mind think my plan be done though, really. Right? We've all done that. The prayer is thy will be done, but the thoughts are still my will be done. That doesn't count. Let the spirit pray for you. The spirit knows what you need. Let him work it. That's why I say to you, it's okay if you're still going through your negative actions. Because see, the answered prayer is not necessarily that you no longer freak out about what you eat. We don't know what the answered prayer looks like. You can't come up with what the answer is supposed to be. You would have already figured it out by now if you could come up with it. You have to give it over to God and fully accept that it's just going to look like whatever it's going to look like and be okay with that. And if you're not okay with that, then you need to even say, I'm not okay with this. This is weird right now, God. Because I'm trying to give it over to you, but I'm still doing the negative behaviors. And this seems weird to me, God. So I need you 
to just recognize that I'm feeling weird. And then let the spirit do even more of the praying for you. I think that sometimes we can use prayer as another way of trying to get control of a situation. As you practice handing it over to God, as you practice letting the spirit be the one interceding for you and just feeling the spirit praying for you and experiencing God working with the spirit on your behalf and being moved through that, you can be more led to do more of your own praying. But it takes practice when you are so used to being in control of everything. Giving your control over is so difficult. And I think that it's easy to have prayer be our way of still feeling in control. So with that other example where I was talking about feeling uncomfortable and saying to God, like, you know, God, just recognizing and still feeling kind of uncomfortable here. You could totally turn around and then say, so God, I pray, please help me to stop feeling uncomfortable. If you don't feel immediately or shortly thereafter a relief from feeling uncomfortable, you may start to feel a disconnection from God. You may start to feel a mistrust from God. And that may then make you feel less faith in his working on your behalf. We want to find excuses not to trust God. We want to find little reasons, even just a hairline fraction, to get the control back. And we will manipulate in any possible way we can. We are so, this is the thing about sin. It's crazy. It wants its power back. And it will even use prayer to do it. So you have to be careful. This is why it's important to let the spirit pray on your behalf for you at times. Letting go and letting God sometimes really means exactly that. Just sitting back and always telling yourself, it's in God's hands. I'm not doing anything. And that may even include praying. You just keep saying, the Spirit's praying for me. I am trusting it all, handing it all to God. You binge that day, oh well, Spirit's taking care of it for me. You don't have to come up with the answers for anything including some amazing, gorgeous prayer. We're so used to earning things by our works. It's hard to believe that we could get something without doing very much or anything at all. Let me tell you, you are doing so much just by giving it over to God. Just by sitting back and trusting in God speaks volumes I have wasted way more time praying to God on my own behalf for my own things, the things that I want, 
I was still praying. I was still connecting. I was still talking. I was still in communion with God. But I was wasting my time because I was praying through the natural human side, the selfish side. There was no spirit in that. And I didn't even get that. Even some of my prayers were like, God, I just want to not be doing this anymore. But there was still a twinge of, but I kind of do. I'm still a little scared to hand over everything to you. That doesn't mean that God wasn't working for me. He's always working for us. He loves us. He's always growing us. I'm not saying that I was standing there stagnant and God had turned his back on me because I wasn't saying the right prayers. But I'm saying that I wasn't getting as much benefit for myself. I wasn't feeling as much joy, peace, relief, because I wasn't giving as much over because I was still holding on, even though I was praying like a mad woman. So I'm just trying to say that it's not always about how much you pray. If you don't have the spirit guiding the prayers, and I mean really guiding the prayers, you're not going to get as much out of it. So it's okay to take baby steps. It's okay to say, I don't really know what to pray for, or maybe I'm not really trusting myself with these prayers yet. Still concerned that I'm going to try to be taking control. I'm still concerned that I'm going to be trying to look for reasons to turn from God. I'm really just going to let the Spirit pray for me, and I'm just going to hang back here and absorb what's going on and just wait until I hear from God. You may just experience a feeling. It might just be some peace. It might be for five minutes. It might be for 20 seconds. It's always a step in the right direction, though. Trusting is where you're going to get rid of that fear. Trusting and having faith will remove those fears you have. The fear of getting fat. The fear of being an outcast. The fear of losing who you are. The fear of not having control. I promise you this. God is not going to take away your security blanket and leave you with nothing. He's not going to rip it out from underneath you and leave you standing there naked and alone. He always has something better for us. And you don't have to be afraid of what that is. You may be afraid right now of what it's going to look like eating like a normal person, of what it's going to look like not having your food obsession anymore, of what it's going to look like not caring about your weight. 
but that's just today. God's going to take care of you. He's going to heal you. Don't project how you feel today on how you're going to feel at the end of this process, however long it takes, because you're going to be a changed woman. Don't project. Your job is simply to follow. Because once you start projecting, that's when fear starts creeping in. You need to just stay in touch with the spirit. And trust that God has something so much more beautiful waiting for you. Far better than any of your wacko, crazy, human, sinful plans that you've been coming up with. So for the end of this segment, rather than me saying a prayer, I think we're just going to take one minute to let the spirit talk for us. So let's just close our eyes, take a deep breath, breathe it out, and let the spirit talk on our behalf. We'll do it for 30 seconds. Okay, that was about 30 seconds. Thanks, guys, for joining me. I really appreciate it. I had a great time today. I hope you got something out of this episode. Stay tuned for next week's episode. God bless. Thank you so much for tuning in to Feed Your Faith. I had so much fun with you today, and I really hope that you got something out of the podcast. Please do not forget to subscribe to the podcast. That way you will never miss an episode. And also, if you're interested, I run an amazing Facebook group, um, Christian Women's Food Freedom Through Faith. Go to uh, Facebook and just put in, you know, Facebook slash Courtney Kopek and you will come across it. Definitely check that out. And don't forget to, to sign up for my free seven-day devotional, Seven Steps to Food Freedom Through Faith, that you can get over at my website, www.courtneykopek.com. Have a blessed day. Mm-hmm.